This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, tonight, we're going to be talking about, um, I don't know, you may not think it's a fun topic, but I enjoy talking about it because it's something that the Lord's helped me with a lot, and uh, and it's something that, you know, I, I don't want any of us to... Uh, I don't, I don't want us to be like this. And so the title tonight is this, The Dangers of Complaining. The Dangers of Complaining. And, uh, and you know, hey, we're all tempted to complain, but I have really found out that complaining can bring a lot of harm into your life. It can bring a lot of unwanted side effects and companions into your life. And uh, and so it, it's a serious thing because we've all been in stages where we're like, man, uh, this is no good, that's no good. And, and you just find one thing after another to complain about. And that is not how the Christian is supposed to live. You know, he told us in the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Not go into all the world and file your complaints. Go into all the world and tell everybody how bad it is. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What uh, Question, what does gospel mean? Good news means the good news. There's enough negative, nasty people spreading the bad news everywhere. Why would the children of God join in? You were called to spread the good news. And I'm telling you, hey, if you've read the Bible, there's more good than bad for us. <laughs> you know, we talked about that this morning. The good outweighs the bad when you're a child of God. Yeah, there's bad out there. Yes, there are storms. Yes, there are trials. Yes, there is persecution to those who live godly in Christ Jesus. But I have found out from reading the Bible that as a child of God, a son of God, the good for me outweighs the bad. And if there's Five billion people talking about how bad it is. We need to have some people talking about the good news. And so there is great danger when we turn into a complainer. I didn't know that was going to rhyme, but that sounded really cool. There is great danger when you are a complainer, all right? And so let me show you a verse here tonight, Proverbs eighteen twenty one. If you've gone here very long, you know this verse. Um, but hey, if you, if you haven't, now you're gonna know it. So learn this first. It's a good verse. And it is, uh, again, one of the first verses that I learned. I said that about a lot of verses, but I, I'm pretty sure this is definitely up there. <laughs> first Peter 2.24 was definitely, uh, number one. And then this was in the top five. But my dad taught this to, to Josh and I, and I'm sure my other siblings. And I remember one time uh, we went to a, a, a really large church in Indianapolis, actually, and um, there was a, they brought in a children's evangelist one week. And, uh, and so they brought this guy in just for the kids, and he shared this verse. And he's like, can any of you kids tell me what that means? And none of the kids raised their hand, not even me and Josh. But I'm like, I don't even know why we didn't raise our hands. We knew exactly what this verse meant. And so he's like, I'll give you, I'll give the first kid that can explain this to me $5. And no one raised their hand. And so this, mind you, this is the early 90s, okay, when when money was money, okay. So he works his way up. He's like, $20 to the kid. That, and so Josh's hand shoots up. And Josh totally, like, preached him this sermon. And the guy was like... What just happened? 
And so the guy literally had to give Josh $20. We're talking 1992, people, all right? 92, when $20 might as well have been a million dollars, okay? And so what did me and Josh do? We took that 20 We headed straight to Kmart and bought cap guns and cowboy hats. It was awesome. And uh, and ironically, very ironically, my dad being a truck driver later that week ran into this evangel in, in Indianapolis, a city of a million people. He ran in to this guy somehow in this city at, at Long John Silver's, no less. And, and he's, my dad's like, hey, you're that ev- kid's evangelist that was at our church. And he starts talking to my dad. He's like, yeah, you wouldn't believe it. Some kid over there got 20 bucks off of me. And him, my dad's like, I think that was my kid. So anyway, good stuff. And, and, and Josh tithed. He gave God $2, so praise God for that. But here's the verse in the King James. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. In the New Living Translation, it says, the tongue, or your words, can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And so... There are consequences to our words. Whether you believe it or not, that's fine. The scripture tells us that there are. And those who love to talk will reap the consequences. That could be good. If you're talking the word of God all the time, then yeah, you're going to reap some good consequences. You'll reap a good harvest. But for the majority of people that just like to talk a whole lot, most people I know anyway that talk a lot, they're not usually just speaking scripture and positive words out there. They're typically saying a lot of maybe gossip. Maybe uh, negative things, maybe things they shouldn't be saying. And here's the deal. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Your words can bring life or death. And that's a very, very real thought. That's a very real thing to get a hold of right there. And so, you know, I, I like to examine my words and I found out, hey, I'd rather just not say a whole lot. <laughs> you know, uh, the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about our words. And it says, uh, hey, someone that holds their tongue and restrains their words, they're a wise man. And there's a lot of people that the more you talk, listen, you got to watch that unless you're really saying positive words because uh, where there's a lot of words, sometimes there's a lot of sin. And I'm especially talking about the area of complaining. And so what I'm going to do tonight is look at a few things here about complaining and see uh, some truth about it and realize that you can change it if you're a complainer. And chances are most of us at least could use a little improvement in this area. We're not calling you out, but you know who you are. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> Praise God. So, anyway, let's pray, and let's get into the Word here tonight, and I believe that the Lord's going to speak to us. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, that we have your holy written word to study tonight. And God, I know that you want to speak to us. And Lord, you want us to change so we can be better. You don't want us to change so our lives can get worse. You want us to change so our lives can get better. You only tell us how to live so we can have a better and more fulfilling life. And God, I pray in Jesus' name that we will receive from the word tonight. If we need correction, the Lord correct us. If we need some instruction, instruct us. Lord, I pray that your word will have free course and change us tonight in the name of Jesus. Can everybody say amen? All right. So a few things here. Number one, complaining makes you weaker. Complaining makes you weaker. And I was reading this uh, this study that was done by Dr. Travis Bradbury. He said, research shows that most people complain about once a minute during a typical conversation. 
Research shows that most people complain about once a minute during a typical conversation. And I, I've read many times, especially when I was in the customer service world, which I failed at. I'm not good at customer service. Hey, I worked in a call center, and I was bad at it, okay? I voluntarily demoted myself in the telemarketing world. That's how bad I was at it. But I've read that so many times, and they would tell us this, that a customer, I don't know the exact percentage, but I know this much, they are far more likely to call in a complaint on a worker than a compliment. You could give your best all day long and maybe once or twice in your whole career get somebody to call in a compliment, but you could just mess up once or not even mess up. You, you, but chances are, and I've seen them, man, I know people, I, I know people that they are quick. You know, where's that, where's that customer service number? That cashier didn't smile. I'm going to get her. Like, why would you live like that? People are so quick on the complaint line, but so short and so slow on the compliment line. Now, there's a time to, you know, speak up and, and voice some concerns if there's something going on. But if you've called businesses to complain 50 times this year and you haven't even made one phone call to give a compliment to about the cashier, you're a negative Nelly. And I don't want to be around you because I don't like people like you. <laughs> I like positive people. I'm just going to get real. But listen to me. Don't be so quick to find the negative and complain about everything. Look at this. Philippians 2 verse 14. Philippians 2 14. Here's a verse that I try to drill into my children's heads because children need this and adults need this. Everybody needs this. Philippians 2. We're going to look at verse 14. Amen. Are you glad you came tonight? So Philippians 2 and verse 14, and you got to get a hold of some of this stuff. This is a good way to live your life right here. Philippians 2 and verse 14, it says, Do some of the things that you do without complaining and arguing. What's it say? Do everything without complaining and arguing. And I feel like some people just made a, a very slight um, uh, edit to the verse and said, do everything with complaining and arguing. They just, they just, you know, we'll cross that out there and then that means I'll be in line with the Bible. No, there's a lot of people that everywhere they go and everything they do, they complain and argue with other people. And they're like, I just don't get it, Pastor Dave. I go to work and I, I, everyone there is arguing with me. I come home, everyone there is arguing and complaining. I go over here and even my friends and, and I'm like, What's the common denominator between all of these scenarios? You. <laughs> if everywhere you go, there's strife and arguing and complaining and, and negativity and anxiety and stress, chances are it, it couldn't possibly just be everybody else. You have some role to play in this. And the scripture tells us right here to do everything without complaining and arguing. And I can tell you this much, in my observation of 36 years of being a Christian, that the weakest Christians are the ones who complain all the time. I don't know any strong Christians that are just nonstop complainers. I don't know any giant killing, wall tearing down, lion's den conquering, ark building, wonderful, awesome, strong Christians that are complainers. 
They don't do it. They're, they Why? Because they know, hey, there's bad things in this world, but I'm going to speak the word of God and I'm going to get past this. And I don't have to point out the bad to everybody all the time. Well, somebody else can handle that. But I don't know. I mean, I can think of the list of Christians that I look up to, the stable, long-lasting Christians that have been in it for the long haul, people that I look up to. And I'm, and I'm noticed like none of these guys are complainers. I, they, 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 they see a problem. But they just, they fix it. They do something about it. And then that's what I like. I like somebody that's a fixer. Somebody that, they may identify a problem. They don't just go and complain about it. They're like, oh, well, hey, solution. Let's just do this. Let's take care of this situation. There's enough reporters in the world, right? we got reporters everywhere. Hey, that's cool, but why don't you be a fixer instead of just a reporter? Why don't you just like, hey, you see, see some trash on the floor. Don't say, man, the janitor team of this church stinks. <laughs> Pick it up. Help us out. Come on. Dear God, do something with yourself. But listen, listen to me. Be a fixer. Don't be a complainer. And I know that that, that complaining is kind of like scratching an itch for some people. Like, it just feels good for a minute. And, and I remember when I was 11 years old, I got poison ivy. I, I grew up out in the woods. I have no idea how I didn't get poison ivy until I was 11 because I was surrounded by the woods. Literally, you go open up my back door where I grew up, you'll see a million trees. I mean, just it's all it was. But somehow when I was 11, I got poison ivy. And I, you know, it itched. So I'm like, take care of this, man. Well, that feels good. <laughs> Next thing you know, it gets so bad. I had an allergic reaction to the poison ivy. My face blew up. It was bad. Have you seen the movie Hitch with Will Smith? I looked like that scene on there, okay? I was just like this. My head was like a balloon. And I was like going into town, into the store and stuff, and people were like, yeah, poison ivy. Because the rednecks get it. We're surrounded by it. They're like, oh, yeah, we, uh, we get it. So, I mean, it's just how I grew up. But... And it's crazy, the more I scratched it, 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 temporarily, it felt good. It felt like a little relief. But the long-term effects were I looked like a crazy kid that had a watermelon for a head. It was awful. But I'm telling you, it's the same way with complaining. You may be like, yeah, all right, yeah, I feel But the long-term, it is just going to bring some negative things into your life that you really don't want. And the scripture tells us to do everything without complaining. Another thing I notice about complainers is they're usually very fearful people. Because the more you focus on something, the more you magnify it. The more I focus on God and talk about how good God is, man, my faith is growing in it, and I'm getting confident, and I'm getting joyful, and I'm getting happy. And the more that I focus on that and talk about it, the bigger and bigger God becomes in my life. The more that I talk about problems and the wrong things, the bigger and bigger and bigger I magnify those things to become. And I've just noticed, man, these are just observations. You know, take it for what it's worth. But the weakest Christians I know are negative ones that complain all the time. And I have just also noticed that most people I know that are just chronic complainers, they're very fearful people, and they always assume that the worst-case scenario is going to happen. Remember this morning we saw in 1 Corinthians 13 that love believes the best? Of every person, complainers believe the worst of every person. And in fact, they'll just find things to complain about. They'll magnify a silly situation and make it into something worse 
than it is. But I'm telling you right now, we need to guard ourselves from this. That may sound kind of silly to you, but it's really not silly. That's uh, a dangerous spot to be in because you invite all sorts of things into your life that you really don't want to be in your life. And so I and I've noticed that some people are just kind of born predispositions to positivity. I know I don't know how else to word that, but some people have you ever noticed that are just super super positive. And some people, maybe you just weren't born with that trait, and that's fine. God made all of us, so I get it that it's real easy for some people to always look on the bright side, and and that's fine. I I was thinking about little Sammy, my little fella, earlier. Like, so we were at the soccer fields yesterday playing soccer, and uh, they put him in at goalie, and I'm like, okay, you know, not sure that's quite the best thing, but because for the first quarter he was flying through the field like this. People were videotaping it, and and they're like, boy, he doesn't really know what he's doing, but my gosh, I've never seen somebody so happy. And so somebody, and I'm like, he is happy. Like, he's having a great time. Then he was like out in the middle, like, you know, doing all this stuff, and the ball's rolling right past him, but he just ha- he's having a great time. And so, so another parent came up and asked me, they're like, is your son always this happy? And I'm like, I'm not going to lie. Oh, he's sitting. I didn't know he was in here. So, <laughs> so I'm like, uh, yes, he is. He, I'm not going to, I can't lie to you. The boy wakes up that way. He goes to bed that way. He's probably the most positive person I've ever met in my life. And, you know, I don't know how else to say that. I, it's not something that we've done. He's just was born with that nature about him. And, and so I get it that some people, it's just like, well, it's easy for them. But listen, listen. Sometimes we've got to get some discipline. And as we quoted this morning several times, 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind or self-discipline, self-control. And so we maybe need to work on this a little bit. And I know this much, when you start to see the best in situations instead of always looking for the worst, that takes a big burden off of your shoulders. It's a burden that when you feel like you always have to be the guy to find the problem, when you always have to be the girl that can just, I know it's somewhere, there's got to be some negative somewhere in here, let me find it. Oh, there it is. That's a burden. Let's relieve you of that, okay? It's a lot better when you can say, you know what, I this is a bad situation, but we're going to look to Jesus and we're going to find something good out of this because I know that God, when I pray, will cause all things to work together for my good. Something good is going to come out of this mess somehow. You gotta, what's your outlook on life? But there is danger in complaining. I like what Mark Twain said. You guys ever heard of Mark Twain, the old guy from the 1800s? He said, don't complain and talk about all your problems. 80% of people don't care. The other 20% think you deserve them. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I, you know, just hey, listen, listen, listen. Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna focus on the good things. Amen. And this isn't some positive thinking thing. I'm just speaking the word of God tonight. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love to talk will reap the consequences. What harvest is your words bringing into your life? Because a lot of time, man, I don't know why all this negative stuff's happening, and like, if you're open to my input, I'll tell you why. We've heard you speak, and you say nothing but negative things. You're sim- it's not rocket science. You're simply reaping the harvest of your words. Start putting the right words out there. So, number one, complaining makes you weaker. Number two, complaining prolongs the issues. 
I don't see anywhere we're like, you know what, this is a bad situation. Maybe if I just complained a whole bunch, it would put an end to it, and, and we just get through this thing. I mean, it's great. It would bring healing and closure if I could just say a bunch of negative stuff. No, complaining prolongs the issues. Let's look way back in the Old Testament to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16, and here we've got Moses and the children of Israel. Exodus chapter 16. And so they finally, they've, they've made it away from Pharaoh. They've made it even through the Red Sea at this point. And they have been delivered from 400 years of slavery. 400 years in the Egypt desert making bricks for Pharaoh. I mean, what a bad, that's generation after generation after generation. This is, they've had it bad for 400 years and God finally brings deliverance. And I mean, you'd think that, hey, that'd be enough to make you dancing and joyful for a long time. But we know that that's not really what happened there. And so we've got Exodus chapter 16. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3. It says, Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin. I I encourage you to avoid the wilderness of Sin, but if you must go there, then praise God. Between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. And there, too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. Like, whoa, this guy stuck his neck on the line for you. This guy risked his life. You're going to complain about Moses and Aaron? Look at verse 3. They said, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. Well, there we sat around pots filled with meat. And ate all the bread we wanted, but now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Like, wow, there's some gratitude for you. I mean, my gosh, 400 years of getting beat every day and making bricks in Egypt, and this is what we're going to come to? And even at this point, the Lord is giving them food every day. He gave them manna. And he gave them quail. They got fresh meat every day. And it may not have been the meat they wanted, but God was providing the meat. And you may not be eating filet mignon right now, but praise God you've got some bologna and some ramen at least, right? Come on. you got something. Hey, you ain't starving out there. Amen. And so if bologna's all you got, then praise God, fry it up and put some mustard on it and give Jesus some thanks for what you've got. And he, in fact, the Lord even made water. I mean, they're out in the middle of nowhere, and he's got water coming out of the rock for them to drink. And they're sitting there complaining and reminiscing about the old days when they were slaves. And that hurts my heart. You know, because a lot of times I'll even see people now that are born-again Christians. And God delivered them, no doubt, from slavery to Satan, because the New Testament tells us that you are a slave to whatever controls you. And, and, and there's people, man, I know that they were addicted to things and they were broken and, and, and just down and out. And Jesus delivered them and brought them to where they are now. They may not be living in a mansion. They may not have a million dollars in their account, but at least they aren't a slave. Well, man, back when I served the devil, I'm sure. You know, hey, we used to do this, and we used to have that, and man, oh, this is one thing that just drives me nuts. I hate this when someone, man, okay, I wouldn't do it now, but I tell you what, boy, could I drink back then. Woo! I'm like, shut up, fool, you were going to hell. 
Why would you talk about that? You know, I'm not, I'm not making, but oh, I guess I am making fun. All right. Pardon me. I am. But listen, why would you sit there and like, but you reminisce about the old days when Satan was beating your brains out, stealing your kids, stealing your money, stealing your health. And here you are now. You may not have everything you want, but you're on your way to heaven someday now. And you're going to sit there, I, I, I know, it was back then, but oh man, boy, could I. Shut up. You were a slave. You were controlled. You were manipulated. You were controlled by evil things. And now here you are, a child of God. Yeah, you may be eating manna and quail every day for a while, but praise God, you're not going to hell. Praise God, you don't have the devil beating your back. Come on. And so here's these guys, 400 years, their great, 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 great grandpas were in slavery. And here they are, the generation to make it out. And all they can do is think about, well, we don't have everything we want out here. We may have been getting beaten back there. We may not have had any freedom, but at least we had seasoned meat every night. Come on. Come on. And so I want you to see something here because complaining, it only makes it worse. Look at chapter 32. Chapter 32. It just, it it doesn't fix anything. Exodus chapter 32. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. And so here we have Moses has gone up the mountain and he is with God Almighty, and he gets the Ten Commandments and all this stuff, and he's gone for a little while. And so the people start complaining because they've just made it their lifestyle. And get it, listen, there's, there's, it's one thing to just, you know, complain one day or occasionally. I'm talking about your whole lifestyle is complaining and negativity. And that's what these guys became. It wasn't a one-time thing or an occasional thing. They were by definition, complainers, it was their lifestyle. It's one thing to sin and mess up and repent and do your best to turn away. It's another thing when you make it your lifestyle. It's one thing when, hey, I I stole something. I said something I shouldn't have. God, forgive me. Help me to do better. That's one thing. It's another thing when you do it every single day and you have no intention of even trying to fix the situation, okay? There's a difference between committing a sin and living a lifestyle of sin. Do you get what I'm saying? And so it's not that these guys, they complained one day. It turned into their everyday thing. And so it gets so bad, Moses is up there with God Almighty seeing God's backside and all this stuff, seeing the physical God. I mean, wow, what an experience. And they're all down there, hey, what's taking so long? Don't rush me when I'm with God, okay? I'll get to you when I get to you. But look at this, Exodus 32, verse 1. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. They found the weak one, huh? Come on, they said. Make us some gods who can actually lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses. Don't talk to him like that. This man risked his life for you. That Moses dude, that Moses guy, we don't know what happened to him. This fellow who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, okay, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. 
All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Talk about stabbing God right in the back. This is awful. This is this is disgusting to even read. And as you'll study the Old Testament, if there was one thing that God hated, it was when his people wandered away from him to serve other gods. There was a lot of things that happened, and, you know, he looked past a lot of it, got over a lot of it. But when they basically committed spiritual adultery on him and said, you know what, hey, hey, uh, you're taking too long. I'll just go over here for my help now. Watch it that you don't do that in 2021. You're taking too long. I'll just do it my own way. Taking it, take matters in my own hands because I can't wait. Whatever happened to the, this Moses fellow? Whatever happened to that, you know, that, that, that promise from God? It's taking too long. Pump the brakes, Junior. You may be getting yourself in trouble. And so what happened here? They're complaining. They're complaining led them to deeper sin and finally to idolatry. Complaining will lead you further and further away from God. And that's what happened here. I I do not want to be like that. Something as silly as complaining turning into me, you know what, I'll find my help over here. These guys seem to have answers. This this over here seems to be working. It's going to lead you further and further away from God. They complained so bad that they literally tried to replace God with something else. And so I want you to see here verses 19 and 20. There in verse 7, God's talking to Moses up on the mountain and all this stuff. And Moses is heading down back to camp. Verse 19, when they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing, and he burned with anger. I'll bet, man, that probably ticked him off. He threw the stone tablets to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. So the original copy of the Ten Commandments is smashed into a million pieces because Moses is so angry that these people turned on God. He took the calf they had made and burned it. So much for your God if he can just be burned in one minute. I mean, listen to this. Then he ground it into a powder, threw it in the water, and forced the people to drink it. I love that. I think that's awesome. I think, you know what? Here's your God. Here's some poetic justice for you. Drink your God. Come on. He grinds their God into a fine powder, mixes it in the water, and says, here, have a drink. You like that? You like that? Take some of that. So much for your little made-up, make-believe God. I mean, that seems like, man, Moses, calm down. No, if something like that happens, don't calm down. Do something about it. That was bad, and that shouldn't have happened. But these people, they're complaining nonstop. All this happened. You know what? You know the end result? It was supposed to take them about, if you, you know, if you map it out, about 11 days it would take to walk from Egypt to Canaan. 11 days. Okay, so they've got a couple million people. Let's even give them 30 days to get there. It turned into 40 years. 40 years. And, it, it, you know, a lot of people don't understand that. You can look at a map and look at the path that they took. In fact, they even they left Egypt and they got to the promised land in a short amount of time. I don't know exactly how long, but it wasn't that long. And that's when Moses sends in the 12 spies and all this stuff. And 
Two guys say, it's awesome, let's take it. Ten guys say, oh, no, 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 we can't do it. Yeah, but God's on our side. I don't care if God's on our side. There's giants in there. They elevated the giants bigger than God. And God says, fine, fine. You know what? You disgust me. Let's get you out of here. You and your attitude. Get back out there. He sends the Israelites back into the wilderness, and he says, you can come back when every able-bodied man, when every fighting aged man so every man 20 to whatever 40 50 years old whenever all of them die off then i'll let you guys in except for joshua and caleb they can still get in and so you look at the journey they took they turned right back around they went out into the desert and literally basically walked in circles for 40 years and all these guys dying off and if you do the math on that a couple million people there's hundreds of guys dying day by day for 40 years and then finally it gets to the place okay the complainers the negative guys all the fearful people they're out of the way we've got a new generation now these guys were just kids now they're grown men now we can go in there and the first city we're going to knock off is going to be a place called jericho let's go and joshua and caleb they were in their 80s but they made it in there and god did something great but i'm telling you right now Complaining will take you places that you don't want to go, and it'll keep you out of your promised land. Another, you know what? You want another observation? I'm just going to give it to you. All right. So, complainers aren't happy anywhere. If I just moved, I know that would be my problem. Uh, that would fix everything. If you got a nasty, you know, a negative heart, you'll take it with you. I've lived in, I guess, three different states, and one thing I've seen everywhere is everybody in Indiana thought that, oh, man, my problems are small-town Indiana. If I could just move someplace big like California, if I could move to New York, then I know that would fix all my problems. I lived in Oklahoma. I lived in a city there, you know, a decent-sized city. Everybody, So many people thought that their problems were because they lived in Oklahoma. Then I moved to Barstow, California, and I know tons of people that think, Their true problem isn't that they've got a nasty heart. Their problem is that they live in Barstow. Go ahead and move. You're taking you with you. You'll be there when you get there. You'll be there, and you'll find out that you won't be happy there either. Because as a child of God, my happiness is not dependent upon where I live. It's dependent upon who lives in me. And I could go live on the moon and be totally fine because Jesus is in my heart. Complainers, they won't be happy anywhere. Build you a mansion, you know, in the nicest, most beautiful place in the world, and you'd find some way to not be happy with it. And so it's crucial that we identify this and the dangers that come with complaining. My associate pastor in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, one time, you know, he told me, he said this in a sermon. He said, there's two types of Christians. There's praisers and there's complainers. Praisers always find something to praise God about. Complainers always find something to complain about. And I was like, truth bomb. Calm down. I mean, that just hit me because I was in a complaining stage of life because I thought all of my problems in life were because I lived in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Actually, I lived in Tulsa. But anyway, so I'm like, man, I know why I'm negative. I know why I'm miserable because I live in Oklahoma. I can't stand it here. And guess what? He told me that. I'm like, you know what? You're right. I'll bet I could find something to praise God about even right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'll bet I could find something to praise God. And listen, times was tough. We was poor, okay? (laughs) We were poor, man. And I, you know, people are like, you know what? Being poor is a blessing. That is a lie. It stinks being poor. I hated it. I don't ever want to go back. 
trying to make grilled cheese with fake cheese. That stinks. I hated that. Man, we had to, now they have this store out here in California. They didn't have it for my first 13 years here, but we had, we shopped at Aldi and that's a cool place to go if you want to go there. I had to go there because I couldn't afford anything else. We had to buy bread for 40 cents a loaf and it was as stale as my socks are stale. It was awful. I'd buy this nasty stuff. We had to buy this cheese and try to melt it down for grilled cheese sandwiches every day. I hated it. It wouldn't melt. I could throw it directly into the fire and pull it right back out. The stuff simply would not melt because it was fake processed cheese product. And so you think it's funny, but I'm like, it stunk. I hated it. I didn't like being poor. It was awful. All my, all, you know, all these other people we saw, they, they could go do things. We couldn't go do anything. You know, it was, it was just, we worked our tails off. I cleaned storage units all day, went to telemarket at night, you know, and went to school and all this stuff. And, and I mean, I complained and I was negative and nasty and not a fun person to be around. And, and then I really, you know what? My gosh, my goodness, Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, they were beaten to a bloody pulp and chained to the wall. And they started singing and praising God at the midnight hour. Well, no one's beaten me. I may have fake cheese and, you know, rotten bread, but come on, I, it could be worse. And so, you know what? I determined I'm going to find something to praise God about because that's what praisers do. Complainers can be in the best of situations, yet they'll find something somehow, somewhere to complain about. And I refuse to live like that. I choose to be a praiser. We're talking about the power of choice a lot lately, right? Choose to praise. Choose not to complain. And I'm telling you what, man, it just changed my life. It opened some doors and we got better jobs and we had more money. We could afford Taco Bell three times a week. Some of you are like, I don't, I don't see the blessing in that. Oh, it was a blessing. Amen. And so God was good to us. The land flowing with milk and honey. It was great. But it all happened when we began to change some attitudes. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to throw these verses on the screen. But I'm thinking about Job. And Job had some bad things happen to him. Worse things than any of us have had happen to us. And so you read the book of Job. And all throughout the book, he's pretty negative. And you could you could look at his situation and be like, well, he, he kind of deserved to complain. And yeah, guess what? You may deserve to complain. But it's not going to fix anything. I have a right to complain. Go for it. Please do. But it's not going to fix anything. You're scratching the itch. It's still not going to fix anything. And so you may have a right to some things. I also have a right to praise God even when things are bad. I still have a right to give thanks even in all circumstances. I've got a right to do that too. It's just I can choose to do what I want to do. And so by the end of the book, Job 42.6, Job says this, I take back everything I said. And I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. So everyone talks about Job all the time. And pretty much everybody leaves out the very end of Job where it actually gets good. Yeah, a lot of bad things happen. But in the end, he repents. He's like, you know what? I shouldn't have said that. I take back everything I said. And then verse 10, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. And if you read the beginning, Job was a very rich man with livestock and crops and cattle and all this stuff. God gave him double for all of it when he turned his words around. And so, yes, 
go ahead and, you know, if you feel like it, complain all day long. It won't fix one single thing. But if we would control our words, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You could speak life. You could choose life. You could bring blessing into your life if you would control those words. And so the last thing I'm going to say tonight is this. Thankfulness brings the blessings. Thankfulness brings the blessings. The first thing we said is complaining makes you weaker. Number two, we said complaining prolongs the issues. But number three, thankfulness brings the blessings. Let's look at the finally last thing. Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7. Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7. And I call this the peace equation. Because it gives you several things that if you add them all up together here, they equal the peace of God. So Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. And it says this. The Apostle Paul, who at the time was a prisoner, so he wasn't writing this from the Taj Mahal. He was writing this while he was in custody, incarcerated. Philippians 4, verse 6. He said, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I love that. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Thank God for all he's done. And then what happens? You will experience God's peace. I love that. Complaining brings anxiety and stress. But when you thank God for all that he's done, you experience God's peace. Is there anybody here that you prefer anxiety over peace? Show hand. We'll want to pray for you if you're in here. No? Okay. If you, if you prefer peace over anxiety and stress, Start thanking God for all that he's done. Well, nothing good's going on right now. Well, at some point in your life, God did something good for you. Why don't you thank him about it? Find it. Look it up. Remember it. Find it. Identify it. Thank God for all that he's done. And then you will experience God's peace. And, you know, I just encourage you, man. I, I see so many people that God, they man... When they're going through trouble, when they're really, uh, when they need a miracle, they plug in and they, they stick with it. And when things, when things are bad, I mean, they plug in. Then they finally get the blessing that they waited for so long. And then they turn negative and complain. And I'm like, what's going on here? I, uh, oh, you get what you wanted. You get the blessing. And then you don't even really stop to really give thanks for it. You just Then you start focusing on, well, yeah, I, I, I got it. I get that. But, man, I don't have this, though. I, I have a nice car, but I don't like my house. Got nice kids, but I don't like my husband. <laughs> I, got, I can do this now, but I, don't, but I don't have that. What about that, huh? Explain that to me. What's, what's up with that? Listen, I don't, want, don't, don't be like that. Thank God for what he's done in your life. Don't, don't – Get what you wanted and then start backing off and start changing your tune on Jesus. Give thanks for what you've got. And you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can comprehend. His peace, In fact, his peace is so great, it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
wouldn't it be great to just have a guard surrounding your heart and your mind all the time? You can have that. God's peace will do that for you. But it's not going to happen when you just find the negative and the nasty everywhere. It'll happen when you turn from a complainer into a praiser. And you will just look for ways to praise God. I know there's something here I can praise God for. Hey, hey, we've got chairs at this church. Praise God we're not sitting on the floor tonight. Hallelujah. Woo. Hey, we've got air conditioning in this church. We had really bad AC last year. Thank you, Jesus. God's good. Praise the Lord. Yeah, yeah. If you would just find things to praise God about, it'll set you free, brother. It'll set you free, sister. And you can take that burden off of you and just let somebody else take care of the complaint department. And you can be free to move on to your next thing of being a praiser. Amen. And so everything I've said tonight, just boil it down to this. There's danger in living the life of a complainer, but there is power in praise. And when we focus on that, I'm telling you right now, God's peace will guard your heart and your mind. Amen? All right, well, we better wrap it up tonight. Let's go ahead and give the Lord some praise tonight. Can we raise our hands together tonight? Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.